This is episode 117 with Asante Cleveland. Welcome to the Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and your personal performance coach, helping you find your flow in your day-to-day life. Today, I sit down with Asante, a motivational speaker, coach, and soon-to-be author who played four years in the NFL as a tight end. We dive into team culture, discussing what it was like to be a part of the Patriots organization for a part of his career, as well as dealing with expectations that come with joining historically great programs such as the University of Miami, where he played collegiately. Asante also hosts a great podcast, The Next Season Podcast, that explores how we can navigate change in our life. I highly suggest you check it out. It's going to be linked below in the show notes. And with that, please welcome on Asante. Asante, welcome to the Athletic Mindset Podcast. Excited to jam out with you here, share your story. But first and foremost, how are you doing? Court, good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited. I always love having other podcast hosts on here because I feel like, I mean, just hearing you speak just now, it's like you got the perfect voice for it. It's going to be a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that being said, I want to highlight, like, where did football begin for you? Was that the first love of your life or did you kind of try some other sports first before you landed and settled into this role? Actually, football was the last sport I ended up like getting into. My first love was soccer. When I was like five or six, that was the first sport I got into. It was like soccer and then t-ball and t-ball is really boring, but I really loved soccer. I was really good at it. I had a pretty big leg, but it was soccer and then basketball. And football didn't come around till freshman year of high school. Nice. What was that experience like when you first found it? Did you gravitate right away towards tight end or were you kind of feeling out all of these positions, figuring out which one you fit in best at? Uh, I was originally a wide receiver, went out to like the freshman camp and I was doing really well. And then at the end of the camp, they moved me to tight end. And I saw it as like kind of a demotion because I, I wanted to be a wide receiver. I just wanted to like just catch touchdowns all day. I definitely did not want to block people. So it was it was an adjustment. And after my freshman year of football, I didn't like it. And going into my sophomore year, I was about to quit. But there was like a bunch of other kids because like with football, like freshman year, there's always a lot of people on the team. And then JV kind of like everybody kind of gets weeded out. And going into my sophomore year, I was about to quit, but then I saw how many other people were quitting the team. And I knew that like, this team's going to need me. And so I stuck around and we had a great year and I, I just really enjoyed it. It's about to say it paid off, right? Cause a few years later yeah. you end up at the U of all places. What was that experience like going to Miami at such a storied program in college football? What was the culture like when you were down there? Uh, well, going into it, I was originally committed to Washington State, basically my whole senior year. And so when Miami came, it was later in the year after I had put out my highlight tape, because like, even after my junior year, I still hadn't really figured out football. I got a couple offers from some like smaller schools out here on the West Coast. And things kind of clicked after like my senior year, I watched all the top tight ends in the country. And like studied their film and I kind of like implemented what I saw into my season. And after that, that's when Miami offered me. 
And at the same time, the You documentary had just come out. And so after watching that documentary and just like going out there for the visit, seeing how like story this program was, I was like, this is a no brainer for me. And so when I actually got there, it was so much different than high school football in California. And that was like my being at like six, four, six, five, I was like the biggest guy on the field normally in high school. And so going to college where everybody's my height, everybody was so much stronger than me, so much faster than me. It was really humbling. And I knew that if I was going to succeed, I really needed to like tighten up on the details just and work my butt off because I definitely wasn't going to skate by them just like talent alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's always tough, right? That transition. I think no matter what sport, when you go into that college level for the first time, it's like you come from that big fish in a small pond back home, wherever you are. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, everyone here was all state or, you know, phenomenal places where they came from. And all of a sudden you need to be a beginner again. And it is a humbling experience. It's funny. I grew up loving the U. I mean, I'm a Washington football team. Still feels weird to say, but yeah. (laughs) And I just love the U because I mean, for the longest time we, they gave us Sean Taylor, they gave us Clinton Portis, you know, watching Ed Reed, like amazing program there. What was that experience for you in those four years there? Was it drawing on that storied culture? And did you feel this added pressure? Like, because it had all these great guys before you, like, you have to be great as well? Not so much. And it was it was really great for me to like watch that documentary because I didn't watch football growing up. And so it was like a discovery of like, oh, wow, I didn't know like all these players went here. And so for my four years there, my freshman year started off really good where I ended up starting like the second half of the season. I was making big plays. I was my name was in the papers and all this stuff. So I'm starting to feel like really good that I was on track to become like one of those next greats at the U. And then I really got humbled my sophomore year. After my freshman year, we had coaching staff get fired. So new coaches came. But then I also had to have shoulder surgery in that same offseason. And so I went from like riding really high to I'm on the bottom of the depth chart. These people don't know who I am. They didn't recruit me. So my sophomore year, I didn't play at all. I was like on the scout team with like a lot of the walk-ons halfway through the year. And so going from like the high of my freshman year to like figuring out like what the hell's going on my sophomore year and kind of my junior year was a tough adjustment. It wasn't until my senior year where I just figured that the only way I'm going to be able to possibly play in the NFL was like, I need to at least be on the field. (laughs) So I was mainly a pass catcher my freshman year. And so I really developed my blocking skills throughout my time in Miami. And then senior year, I was like relied on heavily as a blocker. And so that's where I was able to find success. I didn't get the accolades or like the attention or like the targets like I was getting like my freshman year, but I still found a way to be effective on the field and make a name for myself. How did you handle that shift mentally? Because I feel like, I mean, especially starting off at wide receiver, like, we all want to be 
some you know some part of us that ego was poked a little bit right of like <laughs> man you're the dude like you're catching all these yeah. passes you're scoring touchdowns names in the paper and then you go to this like almost shadow spot of like you're still making an impact it's just as important to the overall team success but for your own ego it's like not quite as fulfilling how did you handle that mental shift of like what is success for you determined by your role on the team it was really tough especially that that sophomore year transition was tough because i had already kind of felt like a fish out of water being from california living in miami i'm all the way away from my family and so what helped me get back on track was in that off season that winter break we had we also had the the sanctions because of the whole Nevin Shapiro stuff so we didn't have a bowl game so we had a month to be at home and in that month I just trained and worked my butt off and, and I think like reconnecting to like what got me here was my ability to work hard and I needed to just focus on the process of getting better it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. I didn't play last year. Going into my junior year, they'd moved some defensive ends to tight end and then played them over me at times. And so it was tough to like let that ego go. But I had to really focus on the process of like, all I could do was my best. I'm just going to go out there and give it my best no matter what the circumstances. Uh, whenever I get an opportunity, I'm going to make the most of it. Um, and I did that. And at the end of the year, I was named my senior going into my my senior year, I was the most improved player, which at the time I felt like it was kind of a slight yeah. because it was like I knew I was this good. You guys didn't know I was this good. But it was just kind of like a tip of the hat to how hard I worked and just to change my mindset to be able to be in that put myself in that position. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> it's like you already knew that you were good. <laughs> you didn't really need that extra validation. But hey, I, unfortunately, I feel like especially in college football or even in professional, right? Like when you have ream changes of like who's in charge, like there's some politics involved there. It's like when someone new head coach comes in, like they bring in their set of guys and they're going to value you differently than you might've been valued in that other system. So it's cool to see that you were able to withstand that transition and still show up on the other side. And then, you know, obviously played well enough your senior year to then make it into the league. Was that always a dream for you or because you started football later, it was just kind of like, well, if this happens, awesome. If not, like I'll be okay without it. Well, I always wanted to play professional sports. I thought I was going to be an NBA player. Like my goal was to be 6'10", power forward, go to Duke and play the league. But uh, I made it to 6'10". And <laughs> so I focused on power forward and I definitely was never a power forward. But my goal was always to play professional sports. And so when I started playing football, my dad played for the Cowboys back in the day. And so I knew I had like good wisdom around me and I was able to lean on him for a lot of the turbulence that went on through my career. But going into my senior year, it like the NFL looked like a really long shot just based off like the past two seasons did not go great. But I think going into that year, I saved as my wallpaper. It only takes one year. And I just had that like, just to know that it doesn't matter. The past three years don't matter. I can make it happen this year and so all my efforts were focused on how i can add value to the team so i went from like not playing at all 
to being on the field. Like whenever we need to run the ball, whenever we need to throw the ball deep, I found a way to make myself valuable and be on the field. So I'd say you made the, it sounds like you made the most of each time that you found yourself on the field, which I think yeah. is it's really important, right? Yeah. You have the chance to play for obviously a number of teams professionally. Is there one that you played for that stood out just from, I don't know, from a culture standpoint that you were like, this was great. I mean, obviously you played in New England. I'd be curious to learn what it was like playing under Belichick, being around Brady, you know, what was that experience? Is that what you were going to say for culture wise? Oh, for sure. (laughs) For sure. It it was a bit of a shock how I got there because I got traded from the 49ers like during preseason. And so I get told on a, like a Tuesday morning that I'm getting traded to the Patriots. I get there uh, show up in West Virginia at 2 a.m. because they're having joint practices with the Saints. But from the second I entered into like that organization, you could feel how different the culture was. There was so much more accountability placed on every single player. The work ethic was so vastly different. The biggest difference was that we worked harder than anybody else. We were doing the conditioning drills. We were doing tackling drills, full speed, like inside run periods in the middle of the season. And that was like, it was an opportunity for me to see what it looked like when it was done right. And my favorite part about New England was that it was a true meritocracy. A lot of cultures preach the best player will play. We only put the best guys out there, the guys who work the hardest. But that's not always the case because, especially in the NFL, whenever there's money involved, it's like, yeah, this this dude's working really hard, but we paid this dude $10 million. So he's going to play. But in New England, if you could play, you were going to play. So I started off the year on practice squad. There were already four tight ends on active, but I was busting my ass every day, making a lot of plays so much so that they felt confident enough to trade one of the tight ends to the saints because they like, Hey, you're going to be that next guy. So that's what I really loved about New England was that hard work, dedication, talent, smarts were really valued. And it wasn't just that thing that they put up on their their poster in front of everybody. Like, they really lived that. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, as an avid fantasy football player, participate myself, like, obviously, New England drives me nuts in that case, because you're like, man, like, Sonny Michelle, like, has a breakout game. And then two weeks later, Belichick has benched him for someone else. Yep. Like, I just don't understand it. But getting an inside scoop on what that organization like is like, it makes sense. And there's a method to that madness too, right? There's a reason oh, why yeah. they've been competitive for so long. Yeah. And they only keep around people who they truly believe can help make an impact. There there was a locker, like two, two lockers down from mine that was literally a revolving door of like, there could be a guy there for one week, there could be a guy there for a day. But if they didn't think that you were able to be the player that they needed you to be or thought that you were, then they would get you out of there. Whereas there are other teams where there are guys that are on practice squad that no matter what happens at that position, that dude's not going in the game. They're not going to pull him up off active. But in New England, they valued everybody's time so much that like if you were there, it's because they really believed in you. It's got to be a refreshing feeling, right, on the player side of things, especially oh, yeah. if you're—I don't want to say on that fringe of like being a starter and being like a bubble guy. That, but 
you know, it's got to feel refreshing to be like, all right, like I legit have a shot instead of almost your efforts being futile on some other teams. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a great experience. But yeah. That's the secret sauce is that one that works harder than everybody. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. People listening are going to be like so disappointed. They're like, really? It's not anything else. Like you're just telling me work harder. And that's it. Well, everybody's held accountable. We're, that's the only team I played on that we conditioned during the season. Mm. No other team. We did that. I think that's really interesting, right? Because that's in talking with more and more people that have played in the league. It's so weird when you go from college and you have this built in accountability a little bit more. So all of a sudden now you're this grown man going into the league. It's kind of like assumed that you're going to do everything that you can to play but that's not always going to be the case you know no whereas in college it's more your days and schedules are so are so structured Mm. that you don't really have any opportunity to do anything else whereas in the league you have more freedom because you're only there for a limited amount of time and you're expected to do work on your own put in the hours watch the film uh, you make sure you take care of your body, make sure you eat right. We're in college. They can more so control all of that. Yeah. But in the NFL, like you're your own man. But I say it's, I always joke like free time is probably one of the most dangerous things for an athlete. And I always laugh too. Like how many times have you been told that you're great at time management? And then when you like really oh. think about <laughs> it, like you hear that all the time, especially with collegiate athletes, you come out and recruiters and companies are like, you got great time management skills. And to your point, it's like, well, yeah, like I can manage the three hours a day that I actually had free. Like, yeah. (laughs) And I'll spend an hour and a half of that taking a nap and then the other hour and a half eating. And then like, that's it. That's all my time. So it's like, it's almost like, all right, you have to figure out how are you going to manage this time? Did you have anything that you did that helped you stay accountable to your own self, maybe outside of what the organizations you were in were having you do? Uh, it was more so I would watch film once I got back from work, mm. but I didn't, it's not like I was going out or anything like that, but more so in the off season, I would make it a point to, I would have to go back home and like start my workouts. And that would be like the accountability that I kept for myself was that even though this is more free time, I can like maybe take some trips. I still have to put in the work because I, there is a goal, a bigger goal at hand to try to make the roster next year, try to get on with another team. So that was my accountability that kind of drive to like keep a job. Yeah. Uh, it's almost easier, right? When you have that goal in mind, you're able to look at every decision and be like, well, is it going to help me keep a job for next season? Or is it going to put me at risk for not being with a team? And it makes making decisions so much easier. I think that's why when people transition out, they struggle a lot, right? Because there's no longer that go-to filter of like, is this going to help me or is this going to hurt me? It's yeah. again, that free realm and free will. And you're like, some of us just don't know what to do with that. Yeah, that, that transition out was really tough early because you went from having your whole life structured in every bit of your day to now all of your time is your own and you can fill it how you want, but you have to figure out how to do it in a productive way. You really haven't been given much support in 
how to handle it. And then especially with football and a lot of sports, a lot of guys don't go out on their own accord. So their last time playing is not necessarily when they were prepared to make it their last time. Yeah. So that shocked the system. And it's like, all right, now figure out the rest of your life is, is a tough road to navigate. It's like a re- relationship, right? When you have, when you can see like the ending in sight, you're like, all right, well, like we're about to graduate and like, you're going to go live here and I'm going to live here. So like, it just, we're going to split on mutual terms versus like a hardcore heartbreaking shock. Yeah. It's going to shock the system and be harder to process a little bit. Yeah. But that's the reality for most guys. When their career ends, there are very few people who get to ride off in the sunset and have that storybook ending. Most guys, it's really just abrupt. Some guys have an idea that it's their last time playing. For me, I had a, I was on an IR fourth year with the Chargers, my fourth year in the league, but my last year with the Chargers. And I kind of realized that it was the end when after I, our, I had spent all that time getting stronger, trying to come back and prepare to be like, I want to be the best blocking tight end in the league. That was the goal, the image that I had in my mind. And so when free agency came around, I flew back out to New England because there was no place like home and their doctor didn't clear me. And so that was just kind of like the, oh, I guess this is it for me. And so that that transition is tough, but it's a... It's a long path for self-discovery. It's a beautiful path for self-discovery. It's just like, it really goes on to like, what mindset are you going to approach it again? I always tell people, mm. like, if you're willing to be a beginner again, and to your point, like we were talking about your new role at this digital marketing and advertising company, you're excited because you're learning a new skill, something that, you know, hasn't been the case for a little while. Like it was always your skill was going to be developing a better way to block, get a little bit stronger, get a little faster, like maybe work on some foot speed. How good are your hands? That kind of thing. How have you found excitement now to honestly just get amped up to try a new skill, get ready for quote unquote work? Yeah. It's, it's just been the, the model that I've had in my head that's like helping me like be more confident like going into this new role was you just have to have the courage to be bad at something new. Mm. Because when I first started football, I was not great. Um, but over time I got better. And that's the case with a lot of you mentioned, I'm sure with swimming, like when you first hop in the pool, you weren't just blazing speed. Uh, it, it took a lot of work. So learning this new skill, like, so I'm in digital advertising now and I'm so excited about it because I know my longevity in this career isn't dependent on my body. It's 100% on my mind. Mm. And I, through the ups and downs of football, like I know I have a strong mind. I know I can figure things out and I know I can learn quickly. Um, And that's just with a lot of athletes. We, you have to be able to learn and process information at an incredible pace. Um, You have to be able to remember so many small details that an average person like you would never even notice. But that attention to detail is what makes us great and makes us unique. And so it's just really being able to lean in on 100% on, I can learn this very quickly. And I have the mindset and drive to be really good at it. Yeah, to be great at it. I love that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's so funny, you mentioned like, 
how swimming started for me. Those that have listened to this show a while know, like it started off with me literally almost drowning at four years old. Like it couldn't get any worse than that. (laughs) So I always now looking back, like I laugh at that. And I, I remind myself of that when I'm learning something new as I'm, when I was trying to start a podcast, when I was trying to start a business, like all these things, it was like, ah, well, yeah, it turned out to be pretty good at that swimming thing. But look at how yeah. that started. Like I was literally <laughs> flailing around gasping for air. I think that's a lot of how we feel at first. <laughs> We've, I don't know, when you come from that high level, I think there's that underlying expectation of like, well, whatever I switch into now, I want to be freaking amazing at it right away. And that's very rarely is that the case. Yeah, it's, it's very humbling to have that. I that thought that that mindset is what really helped me out early because, mm. like I said, I was really good at soccer. And when I first started playing basketball, it was in fifth grade, and I played in this game. And there was this kid who was really good. This dude was whipping my butt up and down the court, and I was so distraught because like, I know I'm a really good athlete, but like this dude's just this, I couldn't believe he's this much better than me. Mm-hmm. And so when I was, I was like on the bench, like pouting, crying. So my dad's driving me home, still in the car crying. And we stop off at this high school that's right down the street from our house. And he stops the car there's these outdoor basketball courts over there. And he's like, all right, Asante, I'm going to get out of the car. And I'm going to walk down to the baseline. When I turn around, if you're not at the free throw line, I'm going to walk back to the car and we will never speak about this again. But if you want to be great, you will meet me at that free throw line. And he just got out and just left. And so I. I sucked it up and I got out and I kind of like chased after him. And when we at the free throw line, he told me, he's like, a kid was not better than you, but he's put in a lot more work than you have. And so if you want to be great, you have to be willing to work in the dark. And that right there helped me realize like what it took to become good at basketball become great at football and that same mindset is what's going to help me become great in digital advertising i got chills just thinking about that situation man that's awesome um it's had to play a, a big role in your development right having a dad that had the experience that he had too um yeah i think that story is a testament to what kind of mindset he was willing to drive into you i think it's so cool to see the roles that parents play. I mean, I look a lot, my dad swam in college. He was my only summer swim coach for ever, um, pretty much from five until 18. So that was a cool dynamic and it shifted, mm-hmm. right? There's points where he would be my coach. And then there'd be points where he knew it was like, all right, time to be dad. Like we're going to turn that coach switch off because I didn't need another coach at that point. Like I needed a parent. Was your dad ever able to like turn that switch off and just be dad for a second or was it always he was coaching you up trying to push you there it's interesting because he was never really my coach he he was always my dad like I 
he could tell me something and I wouldn't listen, but like someone else could tell me the exact same thing and it would click. So (laughs) I I think he knew early that like, I, he was, he was always just my dad, but he was also because he had so much experience and wisdom, he imparted that in me. So he was kind of like, he was a life coach for me, but never like a sports coach. Like one of the, another one of the things he did for me early was he forced me to memorize the poem. So that uh, picture right there is the poem Invictus. So in fourth grade, when my dad picked me up from school, so my parents were divorced. So I would go to his house every other weekend and I had my PlayStation over there or Dreamcast at the time. Yeah. Um, And so it was always a blast when I was going over to my dad's house. But this weekend, uh, as he was picking me up, he told me, he was like, hey, it's going to be a little different this this week. Um, you can't play video games until you memorize this poem. And we were stopping off at the grocery store. I'm kind of putting up a fit like, yo, I, hey, I've waited all week for this. Like, <laughs> um, But he was like, if, if you don't want to memorize it, it'll just be a quiet weekend. And so by the time we had left that grocery store, I had that poem memorized. He would just recite the lines to me as we would walk up and down the aisles. But what was the most impactful part of that poem uh, are the famous lines of, it matters not how straight the gate or how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And I think him imparting those words of like resilience in me early helped me uh, uh, just like push through like all the like tough times, especially sophomore year in college, junior year in the league. And then like once I was retired trying to figure out what was next, it was like that resilience of like I can it doesn't matter what happened before I am 100 percent in control of the outcome and I can make things change for the better. It's the athletic mindset right there, baby. I love it. Yes, sir. I yes, love it. <laughs> I think that's so cool to see something so little, you know, obviously make such a huge impact on your life ever since then. It's crazy. I a couple other people that I've had on here and just conversations that I've had, it's amazing those little moments that really stand out years and years later with it's just game changing, right? Like, and yeah. it's, it comes back to that mindset 1000%. What's next for you? Obviously, you're learning this new skill and this new role. Uh, but what's a big picture? What's the vision? Oh, uh, big, big vision, big, big picture. But right now, I am just focusing on getting better um, and learning like the ad tech space, because this is completely brand new to me. It's like a whole new language terminologies. So I'm excited to like learn this new skill. Also, like I am excited to like, just create and like, I want to have like my own clothing brand and like get it out there just cause I've, the message that I have is to just always do your best. And regardless of like how things are going for you, like if you just show up every day consistently and just do your best. Everything will work out. And yes. So I, my big goal would be to spread that message. That's going to be the title of the episode. Do your best for the Sante. Love it. Love it. SEO hits there. Dude, I, I love it. I love your mindset and I love everything that you're up to. Where can 
well, actually, before I ask, where can those listening in keep up with you? We got our fast five, which are five <laughs> fire, one word, one sentence answers, just to keep it flowing here. The first one is, what's your go-to podcast that you listen to that no one's heard of? Oh, go-to podcast that I like the Pretty Happy Podcast. Okay, Ashley, I was a guest on it, and through like our mutual friend Lauren, uh, I've heard it, and so I re- I really like that podcast. She puts out great content, and she has a great mindset. Awesome, I'll have to check it out. Number two is what's your favorite book that you've read in the last year? Oh, Three Feet from Gold. I love it. I'll have yeah, to check it out. I'll definitely have yeah. to check it out. Number three, what's one thing that you can't live without? Man, one thing I can't live without. Looking <laughs> like a true athlete there. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, what's a quote that you live by? Oh, there's a bunch of them. I'm looking at a couple of them. Here's one. One of my my senior year tight end coach. When wishing won't work will. And I thought that that was like so impactful for me at that time, especially. Um just to know that like it's it's all about putting in the work. And and that's all it comes down to. Like if you can always like self audit yourself when if if you're not where you're where you want to be, you can look. Am I doing what I need to do to be there? Like I see what other people who are in the position that I want to be at are doing. It's like, am I doing what it takes to be at that level? And if not, then what can I do to make that happen? Because you can either just be content with where you are or you can do something to change it. Yeah, man. Well said. It's like, I love this whole like manifestation craze that's going on. People have manifested this. I think where Mm -hmm. people honestly don't get it sometimes it's like manifestation doesn't happen without the work behind it though. Yeah, I worked at this. (laughs) Yeah. Like it still happens. Like I manifested this move out to LA, but I also had to work for it. It wasn't a, I just sat in my apartment in Virginia and wished that, you know, life would be better on the West coast and I stumbled upon there you are. <laughs> last one I got for you is what's your one word focus at this point in time? Oh, I think it would be focus. No yeah. one's been that one before. So really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just fo- like there it's, it's so easy to get distracted, but you only attain like real success from just like focusing on this one thing. And so that's what I've had to do with like this new role is like, I just need to focus on this. Like there are a million other things that I can do right now. There are a million other things I, w- I really want to do. But like right now I need to focus. Yeah. I think that's a good reminder for a lot of those high achievers out there, those peak performers that we identify with. It's like, there's always going to be something that's trying to distract us. I say it all the time. I, I fall victim to that shiny object syndrome. Oh, way too often. me too. Where it's like, oh, this project sounds awesome. I'm going to say yes to it. It helps to remind yourself, let's stay focused. And again, if you have clear ideas of like, what's that filter that you're using to say yes or say no to new tasks, that's going to move you along. Where can everyone listening in keep up with all things Asante, the work that you're doing, the message of do your best? Uh, you can keep up with me on Instagram at Asante Cleveland. Um, yeah, that's where everything lives for me. So, yeah. And the podcast. You got to plug the podcast. And the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So we, ha- we, ha- so we have 
you can hear all of our past episodes of the White Tiger podcast with myself and Craig Casaletto. Um, we put out over 100 episodes. We are in the process of coming with a new concept called uh, the Next Season Podcast. So that will be out TBD, but you can hear all of our old uh, the White White Tiger podcast, we've had some great conversations and we talked a lot about uh, transition and change um, because that's something that we both identified a lot with. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll re-release this when uh, the rebrand happens and it, and it drops. Asante, yeah. I just want to acknowledge you for a second, man. I mean, I, I appreciate you. I know this friendship is young, mm-hmm. but I've learned a ton from you in just the short time that I've got to know you. And I just love the way you you carry yourself, your smile, and the impact that you're making on this world. So keep it up, man. I appreciate you. Corey, I appreciate you. And I love that you are sharing this content from the perspective of the athlete mindset. I think it is so powerful. And I love that you talk about the forever athlete, um, because that's something I've had to identify with as, as it's like, I used to be a football player, but I'm always going to be an athlete. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah. talk about that for a second, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm with you there because it rubbed me the wrong way for so long. Uh, similar to your point earlier, right? Like when that sport ends on a term that you weren't willing to accept. Like for me personally, my last race ever was slower than I was in high school. And like that oh. was it. And I was like, really? Like, come on. I, we all have those yeah. visions riding off in the sunset. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't anything. And I didn't want to process it. I didn't want to face it. So I just, I blamed coaches, like poor coaching structure and training that year. I was like, I'm burnt out. Like it's at the end of this career, like whatever. I don't want to see this, but it wasn't until, and I think a lot of the reason I had that response was because I was trying to identify with like, now I'm a NARP. Now I'm a, you know, former athlete, like, yeah about it when what really shifted for me personally and just how I lived my life was when I started to realize like there's all these other cool things that I can do now like I realized I played beach volleyball a few weeks ago I'm I'm terrible at that and I love that like that's a Mm -hmm. whole new athletic endeavor that now I can go out and intentionally practice and develop what's one way that you're kind of living into that forever athlete identity rather than this um, I'm a former NFL player identity. Oh, I work out like a fiend. Um, so right now, since COVID, like obviously shut down all the gyms, but fortunately there's a gym across the street um, where I live called Motion. And they do these group training classes. And at first I was not about going to a group training class because like I was in the NFL. I'm like, I, it's either a personal trainer or nothing. Yeah. Um, but these classes are like these hit high intensity, like really difficult exercises. And I love it because it just channels back into that, that summer conditioning where it's just a grind and it's, it's really just you versus you. And I love the, it's like like a constant challenge for myself to like, are you going to, are you going to take a long break right now? Or are you going to get back after it? Are you going to drop the weight or do you have two more sets in you? Um, and just like that constant challenge, like reminds me and like also lets everybody else know that like, I'm the real deal. Um, you can feel my energy and my intensity 
if you're in my group and it forces the people around me to like raise their level. And I also love being able to encourage people to like, Hey, you've got more in you. Like, don't, don't go like walk around and like go grab water. Hey, get back to it. So I love being able to be that, that person, but I also just love challenging myself and knowing that I, when I, when you're, when you're tapped in like that, you're unstoppable. I love that outlook too. It's, I was the same way for a little bit out of swim. It was like, I just wanted to be solo in the gym, like doing my thing, stay in my lane. And then over time, like I actually started to teach group fitness and I was like, well, if I'm teaching this thing, like I better take some group fitness and see what this is about, what makes a good class, what makes it not so great. And it was really refreshing. You mentioned it, like it still can be you versus you, even in the group setting, but now you're drawing on that energy of the people around you. I did a workout two weeks ago with our mutual friend, Joe Fourier, Big Joe. And man, it felt so great working out with someone with that background. And he was like, you got two more reps. Come on, like push. And I almost forgot like what that felt like even because not everyone, obviously, even in the group fitness setting has that same encouraging mentality, but it is really refreshing. It's like, oh, yeah. We're locked yeah. in. Like we're gonna push through this. This is awesome. And it's awesome seeing people who have never maybe like experienced that level of intensity in like a workout or in sort of sort of training. Like when they experience it and they know they they realize, oh, I do have more in me. I I can do more. Like, and what I love, like you always do your best, but just know that your best is always getting better. And mm-hmm. so you you're not gonna your best isn't gonna be the same a year from now. Like it should be way further along just because of the all the effort you put in in that time. So I just love seeing it click for other people and they realize that like, oh, I, I could row 250 meters like in that minute. Yeah, it's cool to see that. I mean, you talked right there about like baseline stuff. It's like mm-hmm. when you first get into something and then like it that baseline is increased, I think I've really realized if I'm able to shift my focus and I think all of us to some extent, have a really addictive personality if you were, you know, really into this whole athletic thing. And it's like, man, now I'm so addicted to like, if I pick up something new, like it's not half-assed, like yeah. I'm going to get really good at it. And it's really cool to see that baseline increase over time. Like I did it with running in the past year or so, and who knows what the next thing is, but yeah, I'm man, just- good for you on that running thing. <laughs> I'm not with you there. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We'll get you there. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Sante, again, man, I appreciate it. I think we could honestly go on for, for hours. So we'll definitely do a part two at some point. We'll make it yeah, up, I'm down. up here or I'll come down your way. But I appreciate you, man. This is fun. Corey, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Would love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts with your biggest takeaways from today's conversation with Asante. Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Monday for a deep dive into goal setting for flow.